This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Green Talk Radio. This is your host, Sean Daly. Well, we're very fortunate to have on the program today someone that you could say has a family tradition of exploration and conservation when it comes to oceans. Growing up on the salt-stained decks of his famous grandfather's ships, Calypso and Alcyone, Fabian Cousteau was destined to follow in the family footsteps of exploring and tirelessly working to protect our planet's immense and endangered marine habitats. Diving since the age of four, Fabian was imprinted early in his life with a deep appreciation for the wonder, beauty, and importance of our aquatic ecosystems to sustaining life on Earth. Currently, Fabian has partnered up with his father, Jean-Michel Cousteau, and sister Celine to complete a three-year, multi-hour series called Ocean Adventures for PBS, which started in 2006. The topics range from the gray whale migration of the west coast of the Americas to the magical coral spawning of the Caribbean, to diving with squadrons of Goliath groupers to the ghost ships of the Great Lakes. He's also the founder of Plant a Fish, a not-for-profit initiative that partners with like-minded entities. The initiative uses a positive action of replanting, quote-unquote, undersea flora and fauna in environmentally stressed areas as an empowering and educational opportunity for local communities to make a positive impact. So Fabian, I want to just Welcome you to the program, and thank you so much uh, for being here today. It's a real honor to have you on the program. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so you, you've certainly come from an amazing legacy, an amazing family who is involved and has always been involved with uh, ocean conservation and awareness and these issues. And it's quite amazing when I, I look over at all of the, the various members of your family that have been involved in, in these issues, obviously starting with your grandfather, you being the eldest grandchild of Jacques Cousteau, a famed explorer, and uh, you know, I grew up watching him uh, on the what was it the Mutual of Omaha commercials, like you know, permanently emblazoned in my brain. Uh, and you know, and then also your father, um, Jean Michel Cousteau, and and I'm curious. And then of course, there's Ale- your cousins, Alexandra and Philippe Jr., who are involved in uh, you know water and ocean related issues as well. I'm curious. Tell us just first of all about. Uh, your involvement, I mean, from the very beginning and uh, sort of the niche that you've carved within the family and the work that you do. Oh, and don't forget my sister, Celine Cousteau. Oh, and Celine. I'm sorry, I was remiss not mentioning Celine, yes. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, well, you know, the oceans, as vast as they are, demand uh, attention in so many ways uh, that uh, carving a niche, uh, I'd say... You know, being the eldest grandchild, I, I, I was uh, privileged enough to be able to partake and experience a lot of what uh, my grandfather had to offer back in the day, and, and of course, uh, my father as well. Uh, you know, I've been scuba diving since my fourth birthday, uh, and I've been going on expeditions since my seventh birthday. And throughout that time, my my grandparents and my parents were um, 
well enough alive and 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 very active uh, in those expeditions. And I got to see uh, the art of exploration turn into exploration with a message, uh, because as time went on and as decades ticked by, uh, things became very uh, obviously uh, different, and uh, and the environment uh, was. Uh, showing signs of stress, and now, as we uh, as we know, uh, things have changed quite a bit in uh, less than uh, a half century. Now, that must have been very um, impressive to be on the boat with your grandfather, and then also with your father. Tell us about some of those early memories that you have of uh, being on the boat, being involved in some of the uh, the adventures, the exploration, and the work that was being done, and. What was your sort of defining moment in it? Can you, can you tell us that? I don't know if there was so much a defining moment because as opposed to a career where someone uh, goes to university and and then uh, trains uh, from the, the junior on level up uh, in a, in a uh, either a, a specific business or several businesses in a row, um, for me it was it, it's more of a passion. It, it's been infused uh, since the earliest of times in my life because it's something that's always enveloped us. It's, it's uh, you know, our, our classroom was out in the field. Uh, not to say that I didn't go to the university, of course I did, but it was, um, it was always ingrained in me. So it, it's not something that I seeked as a career more than it was something that I felt mm-hmm. was a mission in life. And uh, by absolutely no pressure, uh, on any of the parents' part. As a matter of fact, they encouraged us to explore all sorts of avenues that interested us. Um, you know, my, my first experiences, because it's a family business, so to speak, uh, I was, uh, I was uh, allowed to come on board uh, as long as I was the one scrubbing the barnacles off the hull of the Calypso. That was my training ground. <laughs> and then it went from there. I think I graduated to scrubbing the decks uh, and painting the uh, rails. Uh, you got to move <laughs> up the ranks, just like uh, any business, huh? Ab- absolutely. And if, if you know, if there are any listeners out there that have worked for family before, they know that uh, um, working for family is probably harder than working for an employer, in a sense that uh, you know you have to prove yourself uh, twice as as much as anybody else. But the the, the flip side of the coin. Uh, the benefit is that it's family and you can always count on them. Yeah, well, absolutely. And it's, it's tough because you don't have even some of the business niceties that, that occur with the social graces that are, even if they're fake, you know, it's just like, Hey, we already know each other. So let's get to the work part here. Uh, Oh, absolutely. Well, there are things that that you can say to each other that you wouldn't be able to say in an employer employee relationship. Um, for good or for bad, yes. <laughs> for good or for bad, absolutely, absolutely. There's, there's always, uh, it's always a double-edged sword. But um, one of the the uh, benefits is that you can confide in your family um, much more so than you could in an employer. And um, even though the family, uh, in a sense, was an employer, uh, there was a camaraderie that that was very close knit. 
Well, now you talked earlier, Fabian, about passion. And that's really what I like to talk about the most on the show is my guests' passions and the specific passions that, that you have. I know you're, in looking through and having followed a lot of the projects you're involved with, it's, it's quite uh, amazing uh, how many things that you've been uh, active in. So I'm curious. I know that uh, that pendulum can sort of swing at various times, but I know you were involved in the, uh, are, are involved in the Oceans Adventures uh, PBS project that started back in 2006. You've also got your involvement with, um, your father's Ocean Future Society, uh, as well as your Plant a Fish um, uh, initiative. So, I guess what, why don't we pick? Why don't we pick the one that you're most passionate about right now and start there? Oh my God, that's torture! I know. Uh, passion like is the picking key. a child to save. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, nothing is worth doing if you don't have passion in it. Uh, you know, it's especially when you dedicate a lifetime to it and a, and a career to it. Uh, so all those things come from the same passion, all those, those different uh, chapters and events in my life, all those different uh, avenues which I'm exploring and, and pushing hard, uh, whether it be um, working with traditional media such as production of television series uh, with the uh, you know, Ocean Future Society, which is my father's nonprofit, and Ocean Adventures, uh, which is the series that is airing on PBS. Um, or whether it be uh, new media, uh, such as um, all the social media out there, you know, Twitter and Facebook and all that, but new media meaning uh, doing a, a graduation from traditional media to, to, uh, to new media and showing uh, video clips online. The formula isn't quite there yet to have the, uh, the audience and, and uh, just as importantly the resources to be able to conduct uh, a, a true blue expedition uh, that would uh, that would cover the costs, but uh, but we're getting there. And then, of course, there are other uh, endeavors such as my plant fish initiative, uh, which I, I think you know if you're if we're going to talk passion, uh, that that's born out of the passion of what I've seen, what I've been able to experience in the field. Uh, you know, plant fish for me is my give back um, because as third generation having seen how much our planet has changed in such a short amount of time in just the last couple of decades uh, it's it's time to really reassess what our values are as a species and you know whether we want to be on this planet in the future and if we do we have to be able to give back to this planet. We have to be able to uh, stop looking at the short-term economic gains um, in our in our in our uh, society's models, and start looking at the at the bottom line and, and and making sure that there's a line item in it that includes giving back to our environment because we're investing in our future. We're investing our in our longevity, and um, you know just like its namesake. Uh, plant a fish is is very much like like planting trees in its essence, which is uh, going and addressing stressed bodies of water uh, with local communities and replanting uh, in quotations flora and fauna uh, in an effort to uh, reestablish that that balance uh, that uh, that makes for a healthy ecosystem and in turn uh, ends up in our plates um, in in the form of of true fish or whether it be ice cream. I mean, 
over 70% of our food, our daily intake of food uh, on this planet is directly or indirectly based in the oceans. Uh, and the fact that the oceans have had absolutely uh, no attention or very little attention compared to anything else, uh, including climate change, uh, and which is very much related to the oceans as well, uh, is a travesty. And we really need to spend much more time, much more energy, and much more of our attention uh, on the 73% of our planet that we depend on. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy that we haven't. I wanted to ask you one more question before we go to break about the Plant the Fish initiative. And you talk about the replanting. Can you tell us a little bit specifically about exactly how that works? <laughs> I can imagine you. What, well, I mean, people I, I probably have some pretty funny pictures in their head right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the idea of the name. You know, I, I stood up, uh, I, I have these reoccurring nightmares these days that I never used to have as a child uh, because... I was exposed to this beautiful underwater world, which, if you think about it, is 99% of our total living space on this planet, with uh, encompassed in it 97% of all biodiversity on this planet. So, you know, being visitors uh, in this underwater world, it's opened up my eyes to the majority of the richness and the mystery and the magic of our planet. And... Lately, you know, as an adult, um, I, I, I'm looking back at those days growing up that uh, I, I was able to see all these things that I'm, I'm starting to not see anymore in, in some of these areas uh, that I've been able to explore. And it, it, it's been driving me crazy in the sense that I, I stay up late at night or uh, in this case, I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I read yet another uh, article on planting trees uh, and, and a company that was spending millions of dollars on replanting trees around the world. And I think that's absolutely fantastic and important. But there are lots of those, uh, those programs out there, and no one is paying attention to the majority of our planet and what we depend on uh, for, for, for our, our, our well-being and, and our being on this planet in, as a, in general. So, you know, I'm here at 3 o'clock in the morning reading this article. I'm going, planting trees, planting trees. Why aren't people planting fish? <laughs> in my frustration. And uh, that's when the light bulb went ding. And I'm like, well, okay, well, since, you know, no one uh, is going to take the reins on this one, uh, I'm going to create an initiative to do just that. Uh, and it's, it, it's the act, uh, you know, I, I get asked all the time uh, after my speeches, and after the shows that we on t on television and such, well, what can I do? What can I do? What you know? What can we do as 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 people to do that? I'm like, well, this is an outlet. Here's what you can do, and it's very much either participating uh, on a monetary level or on a physical level, uh, meaning coming out in the field with our groups and. Uh, addressing those local stre locally stressed bodies of water. For example, uh, in the New York area, I know this, but the, uh, the, the Hudson River area that is now New York City, Manhattan, and all that, uh, and part of Long Island, that was the largest oyster bed in the world. 
And the major, a major reason why New York City is now the way it is and is such a metropolis is because of the trade of oysters back in the early days, in the 17 and 1800s, and even into the early 1900s. And you know, as uh, as, as an important uh, port, uh, it it uh, you know it, it got dredged up, uh, the oysters got depleted, and so on and so forth. And um, you know, I found it very interesting and and uh, also very important that that uh, that uh, keystone species be reintroduced into this area. And so, not only for uh, the sake of the balance of nature, but there's an added benefit. Nature does things better than human beings do. One eastern oyster, an adult eastern oyster, filters up to 50 gallons of water per day. Imagine the amount of stuff that comes out of the Hudson River and down and flows into the oceans. Well, if, those, if we could employ enough oysters in that area to filter some of that water, uh, you know, you could get some pretty clean water going out of the Hudson River into the, into the oceans. And that all gets locked up in, into the oyster shells for, for generations. So it, it was one of those things where like, well, you know, if you can teach people, you know, to look beyond that blue veneer and lift up that, that blanket, that blue blanket, so to speak, and get interested in what's literally in their backyard, in this case, in, the, in their uh, back ocean, um, maybe we can impassion them caring. And if we do that, um, maybe we can change a lot of other habits that they've all of a sudden learned are affecting that body of water, which eventually affects them as well. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, you draw this very important connection between what we eat and, you know, and because for a lot of people, that's where it starts to hit home is, you know, and you mentioned this figure of 70% and how important this is because we do, I think, and you, you also illustrated a good point of this sort of land lover, land dweller bias that we have, that we don't look below the, the blue sheet, the blue curtain or whatever you want to call it, that we are very centric on the land and we see effects of the ecosystem on the land. Uh, and you know, some people see it, some people don't want to look at it, but, but it's really, the ocean is very out of sight, out of mind for people. And, uh, so I think this is really important to, to realize what the what the effect is on on us as a people, um, you know, because uh, there's also this misnomer people have of the ocean taking care of itself, and as we know, that's uh, you know that's just not going to be the case if we do enough damage. But I want to talk to you about uh, that and a lot more when we come back. We're going to take a quick break, and I also want to leave people uh, get your uh, keyboards ready uh, or your uh, piece of paper out. <laughs> I have some links for you to follow uh, during the break as you're listening to our sponsor. You can write down uh, plantafish.com is the site uh, and the initiative that Fabian was just talking about. Uh, and that site is at, again, plantafish.com. You can follow uh, Fabian's website as well, which is fabiancousteau.org. He is also involved with the oceanfutures.org site, which is his father's site, the Ocean Futures Society. And on Twitter, you can follow Fabian at Fabian Cousteau. His father is J.M. Cousteau, and his sister Celine is Celine Cousteau. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. We're talking today with Fabian Cousteau. Hey, 
Hey everyone, we're back on Green Talk Radio. This is your host, Sean Daly, and I'm very proud to welcome back to the program Fabian Cousteau. We're talking today on his work uh, with ocean conservation and initiatives and uh, discussing some of the issues that face our oceans and uh, ocean life today. And Fabian, I wanted to, to just talk about the misnomer I mentioned right before the break, which is that people, some, you know, some people, it's like kind of like climate change denial and global warming denial. You know, some people think, well, you know, the oceans either it's not important or it's going to take care of itself. And uh, these issues are overblown. And, you know, it's become clear to many people, uh, including myself, who, who has, you know, dedicated a website to this Blue Living Ideas, the issues around not not just uh, the, the ocean, but and water in general, but uh, certainly in terms of the ocean that that we have these ma- so many issues we're dealing with. We're dealing with the disruption of migration uh, of fish and whale populations and then we have rising sea levels and the effect of that, um, you know, mercury being present in our food supply, so many things. And, and I know that you've touched upon many of those issues. I think rather than overwhelm people, what I would love to do uh, with you right now is talk about an issue that you feel is of very great concern and maybe also present us with some ideas for how we might be able to take some steps to uh, help it. Well, you're absolutely right. Uh, the, you know, if you take everything that we hear, um, it can be quite overwhelming. And some people might want to hide under their blankets or pretend that you know out of sight is out of mind. Um, but um, it, it's, the problem is not going to go away. Uh, if anything, it'll make it much worse if we do ignore it any further, uh, as has been proven up to date. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where I absolutely agree with people. You know, the oceans will heal. The planet will heal once we're gone. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's the thing is it, it's not about saving our planet. It's not about saving the, the, the polar bear or those species, however uh, wonderful uh, and iconic that is. It's about saving our own skins because we're just one of those species that's on the, the endangered species list. Um, it's... It's a, and that's a, that's a mechanism of our, our own device. It's something we have to understand that by saving uh, those, those animals, by being um, better stewards of our planet, we're actually doing great benefit to ourselves and, and our children. You know, I personally uh, would not want to see our children living in a world of chaos and disorder and of lack of uh, resources. And that's putting it mildly. Uh, I would love to see our children be able to benefit of the beauty and the richness that we've taken for granted. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we can do, I mean, it, it's just at the end of the day, it's a matter of each one of us curtailing our bad habits. Uh, I know that sounds infantile, but, you know, the problems stem from each one of us, uh, whether we know it or not. And anyone who says that they're, that they're uh, impact-free or carbon-neutral or whatever is full of it. We, we exist, therefore we have an impact. The idea, though, is to have a minimum impact and be able to be in balance with nature. And, uh, and that's not as difficult uh, as people may imagine. Um, it's, it's the whole bu- uh, drop-in-the-bucket scenario. We're each a drop, but enough of us uh, going into that bucket makes it a full bucket. It's 
I, I did no justice to, to that uh, metaphor, but <laughs> I, you know I'm, what I mean. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a well-known <laughs> metaphor butcher, butcher, so you'll have a, a, no criticism but from my me. French, uh, my, uh, my French thoughts coming out in English. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, it really is about turning off that tap when you're brushing your teeth or uh, when you go to the supermarket. It's about bringing that uh, fish card with you and following it. Uh, by the way, those fish cards are also available on your uh, PDAs or your cell phones, and they're easy to call up. Uh, it's, it's a matter of going to uh, a restaurant, for example, and seeing something that shouldn't be on the menu and saying, hey, Mr. D, or owner of the restaurant or chef of the restaurant, um, you know, you, I love your restaurant, but this shouldn't be on the menu. Uh, and, you know, I, I would like to see you find a suitable substitute. And uh, if not, then I will be forced to go to another restaurant. Uh, it's, you know, they'll listen. Believe me, they don't want to lose their clientele. And, and a lot of times they're very receptive to new ideas. And they may so not be aware. Uh, you know, I mean, you raise a great point is they, 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 you know, we can't expect that everybody even, even knows. I mean, they should know. I'm not excusing it, but it's kind of like saying, Hey, as a patron, I, you know, I'm noticing this and they don't want to, yeah, they certainly, I mean, this is where the dollar hits the, the wallet speaks the loudest. And if they think that, you know, clientele are noticing this, they might start being a little bit more shamed into it, or at least inspired to research it and say, Oh, you know, it turns out that uh, Chilean sea bass is not the best thing for us to be putting on the menu. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's in the past, we didn't know, so we had an excuse of being ignorant. Nowadays, there's no excuse. The information is readily available, readily accessible by just about anybody who, who even bothers to try. Um, and with that information, it arms us to make better decisions in our everyday lives for the future of our children and for our own future because we're looking at a very short-term uh, schedule here. Uh, we're, we're past that, that tipping point. We're losing one distinct species every 10 minutes. That should ring an alarm bell in wow. our head. You know, uh, the climate change issue, uh, it's no longer an issue. It's no longer a debate. It's, it's a fact. It's happening. It's, it goes well beyond the natural scale of climate change. Um, we're going at a rate, uh, you know, tenfold or a hundredfold um, faster in terms of that. And nature doesn't have time to adapt to, to that change, whereas it used to take 10,000 years to, uh, for the, the, the climate to change one degree or so. Now it's going to take 100 years, if not less, uh, and, and in this case it's about 50 years or so. And most of the species just can't keep pace with that. Uh, so we're going to see a lot of change, but that's no excuse to not do something now so that we can minimize the impacts that we're having in all these different categories. And it's really for the benefit of everybody. You know, driving a, an SUV when you're a single person, uh, when that SUV gets 16 miles to the gallon, is selfish. It's absolutely selfish. You're stealing from everyone else around you. And that should be insane-making to everybody else. It's just not right in this day and age. We can't afford to do that anymore. And I'm, I'm curious about what, what, what are the... What are the 
oceanographic equivalents of that? Because a lot of people are used to hearing that. Not, not that I think that that's still an important point, but I'm kind of curious in your corner of the universe, like what would be the maybe the not so obvious to some people equivalent of that in terms of what should people be looking at in terms of like, for example, going back to the earlier example of, of certain um, menu items that really should not be uh, people should not be consuming, whether buying in the store or at a restaurant. What, what is a, maybe a short list of some of the ones that you can draw some uh, attention to for people? Well, to, to try and, and, and make people understand, everything is connected, okay? So a- anything that's happening on land, whether it be uh, climate change, whether it be putting fertilizer on your lawn or what have you, all that affects the oceans. You know, with regards to, uh, to the emissions of vehicles and of industry and such, um, that goes in the atmosphere, as we know, and, and certain of those elements, including CO2, uh, then get absorbed, two-thirds of that, that CO2 gets absorbed into the oceans. The oceans are a fantastic carbon sink. The problem is that that becomes, uh, not only does that, uh, that carbon uh, transform into carbonic acid, uh, and that in itself eats up the shells of, um, of different um, animals, such as uh, crabs or lobsters or, uh, or coral reefs, for that matter. Uh, and it breaks them down. But uh, the, the temperature that we feel outside in the air that's changing, right, mm-hmm. is transferred slowly because water is much slower to heat up, but it's also much slower to cool down. Um, it transfers into the water so that that then becomes uh, a heat sink, which holds the, water, the, the heat a lot longer, which then affects our weather patterns, which then... Uh, creates more and more violent hurricanes and more violent storms and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, whatever we do in our lives, and I mentioned fertilizers because uh, that's a very direct impact on the ecosystem right on shore and offshore because all that stuff, whether it be fertilizers or pesticides uh, or anything we flush down our toilets, such as, uh, you know, uh, those, declog- those chemical decloggers and such, uh, not all of that can be scrubbed out, and a lot of it ends up going into the, into the oceans via the rivers and streams uh, and aqueducts and such, and getting absorbed by the food web. And as it goes up that food web, it gets more and more concentrated until it either ends up back in our plate in the form of, of salmon or what have you, or, or swordfish or anything for that matter. Uh, or... Um, a lot of that, uh, that, 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 bio, that, that mass, that, that toxic mass, ends up in the animals themselves and killing the animals, uh, which crumbles the ecosystem that we all depend on. All, so, yeah. <laughs> with that said, we have a very direct impact, and we also have um, the power to stop impacting in a negative way uh, by using uh, organic alternatives. Um, you know, I... I uh, it drives me crazy to watch someone spraying pesticide, very toxic pesticide. If you read the back of the label, it's, it's amazing, uh, all the warnings that are on there. On a dandelion that's in a crack of a driveway, and you can just as easily bend down and pull it out. Right, <laughs> you know? instead of spraying Roundup on it. Mm. Oh, it's, oh, yeah, I, I didn't want to mention specific names, but absolutely. Those uh, that's okay, of, I did. I'll, I'll, I'll fall on the sword on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the list is endless. If you look in your cabinets, you wouldn't let a, a child crawl underneath 
your your uh, kitchen uh, cabinet under your uh, under your sink and just have a taste of everything under there. So why do we throw it in, uh, uh, out into the ecosystem? It's going to end up biting us in the butt. Yeah, and it already has. It's this. It's it is this, and that's why it's important to have people like you come forward on TV on the show like this. You know, and, and wherever else uh, the message can be put out to, to draw the lines, to connect the dots for people that they don't they don't understand. Because I, I don't believe it's that people are inherently evil or uh, they wish to be ignorant. It's just that um, they need someone who has sort of the vision, the vision from the front line, as it were, to say this affects this, this affects that. And here's how you're participating. And it's time to become aware that just being ignorant is no longer an excuse, never was really. Um, but here, especially in with the preponderance of evidence that's now available to say that the coral reefs are being damaged or disappearing and that this, you know, these fish are unsustainable. They cannot be sustainably, uh, you know, harvested, fished anymore. And that we have to make changes in our, in our diet, our restaurants, our, uh, cleaning products, all these things that, that, you know, that's, that's what people need. I believe uh, that people wish to act, but they just aren't quite sure what to do. Absolutely. I mean, we are both raping and suffocating our ocean environment. And considering we can't live seven, with 70% less food on our plate or medicine in our cabinet, um, I think it's high time we pay attention. That said, I think uh, human beings are fantastic creatures. They're, they're, they tend to be reactive, not proactive. Uh, but, and and that's, a, that's an Achilles heel of ours. Mm-hmm. But we are also the kind of creature that can create miracles uh, when we try. Uh, and there are a lot of examples in the past of that. But now, armed with all that information, we can make those choices and make those miracles happen. People who want to take it from awareness to activism, which I understand won't be everybody, but certainly there's a contingent of people and a lot of people who listen to this program because I've seen their comments and, and they write in and, and they say, you know, so thank you so much for, you know, uh, telling me what I can do and taking action and uh, or, or asking, you know, what more can we do? For, to those people, Fabian, uh, w- what would you say are some of the other actions that they can be taking to get involved with uh, issues out there? Like I know you've championed the issue of with the coral reefs and you were on with Matt Lauer um, not too long ago talking about those issues. Um, w- what can people be doing if they really want to take it to the next level and become really active um, uh, organizations they can join, things like this? There are so many things people can do. Uh, most of them are free. And if anything, I, uh, I'm not going out on a limb when I say a lot of the things that we can do actually save us money. And who doesn't want to save, you know, a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars or more a year? Um, you know, I'm going to give a very quick example. I live in an apartment in New York City, which is, uh, as far as footprints are concerned, uh, fairly uh, efficient. But um, just on changing the light bulbs and doing some some very basic uh, techniques that are, again, the information is readily available on, most, on a lot of websites out there. Uh, I ended up saving, without even trying, without changing my lifestyle or anything else, I saved over $1,500 in one year. Um, and, you know, that's just like getting a check. And uh, I don't know too many people who would refuse a $1,500 check. And that's just one individual. I can only imagine what it's like in a household with, with four or more people. Um, you know, in terms of, I was on uh, Oprah for Earth Day a few months back, 
and she was concentrating mainly on the uh, North Pacific gyre, the the big swirl of plastic debris uh, that's over 100 million tons of plastic floating uh, endlessly in this in this whirlpool uh, that's the size of Canada, and in some places as deep as 90 feet of plastic. Hmm. It's mostly plastic. I, I hate to say just plastic, but it's mostly plastic. Uh, sometimes it's television tubes and things like that. And my, you know, my immediate reaction is 80% of that comes from land-based sources, just from uh, not properly disposing of those, of those things, um, not recycling them. They, they go down our waste stream or down our gutters and into the oceans. And that's just the stuff we see. That's just the stuff that's floating. That's not the stuff that's sunk to the bottom or the, the things that we don't see, which are potentially even more dangerous. Uh, all those chemicals, all those heavy metals uh, that are flowing down freely from our industries and from our homes and from our, our, our uh, farmland. Uh, we, we really have to start paying attention because otherwise we will quite literally be eating that on our plates daily uh, if, if we haven't already. Uh, it's, it's a matter of just paying attention to our actions every day. It, it doesn't cost anything. You can, of course, you can sign petitions. Uh, you can create your own uh, local community activities, whether it be beach cleanups or street cleanups or just awareness programs to make your neighbors aware of what you're aware of. Uh, it's, it's one of those things. It can be a lot of fun. It doesn't have to be a burden. Uh, a lot of times I, I, I see a lot of these challenges are met with resistance because people find them to be uh, a burden more than anything else. But think of it more as an investment in the future. Uh, And and, and a lot of times it can be fun uh, activities because uh, there's a lot of uh, social camaraderie that goes on with that. And there's a feel-good aspect to it as well. When you see a clean beach, for example, um, you know, it makes you feel really good, especially when you see the before and after. Uh, if you see a local community that's, uh, that's got bags stuck in trees and, and uh, threatening to go down gutters and things like that, and you clean it up, and who doesn't like a nice, clean street? You know, and the same thing with, with a household. Uh, the more um, uh, environmentally neutral alternatives you have for all those, uh, those, those products we were talking about earlier, um, the healthier you will feel, whether it's conscious or not. Uh, I, you know, I, I shudder when uh, I see that clip, you know, we did a, a special on orcas, uh, orcas, killer whales, mm-hmm. and orcas are, this, are exactly a direct reflection in the oceans, and they are being more and more affected in the same ways that we are. I mean, they're, they're an apex predator just like we are. Nothing eats them. They eat everything, and so do we, and we eat the same kinds of things. Well, certain pods of orcas, especially in the Pacific Northwest, for example, uh, in close proximity to human activity, uh, are eating salmon, uh, amongst other things, and eating uh, pinnipeds and, uh, and, and things like that. They're showing the, the very high levels of tissue unloading of, um, of toxic chemicals, of heavy metals, of uh, dioxins, of you know, things like DDT and PCBs, which have been banned since the 70s, but... They're still around in, in our oceans today, and so much so that now, uh, to give you one, just one finite example, flame retardants, 
You know, we're all thankful for flame retardants because of an ordinance passed in the 70s because of smokers falling asleep in their beds. And the idea of flame retardants is to give them an extra 13 seconds so that, you know, you can avoid uh, accidental death. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, studies have shown that we have not avoided any fewer deaths due to those kinds of accidents. Uh, and furthermore, those chemicals that are being used are highly, highly toxic and cancer-causing and cause thyroid problems and behavioral problems and uh, learning disabilities and uh, um, uh, developmental disabilities and so on and so forth. And it just happens to coincide with uh, quite an increase in those things uh, in our children. And, uh, you know, we, we tested what was going on with orcas, and they're showing those same symptoms. Uh, and then we took blood samples from our own team uh, to match up with an a international survey. Um, and lo and behold, our naturalist son uh, and our naturalist, our, 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 uh, our vegetarians, and, and as green living as possible, um, but our naturalist son, who's four years old, has nine times the national average of flame retardants in his system hmm. because of his pajamas, because of the carpets, because of the curtains, because of the dust in the air that is floating those particulates, and he's breathing that stuff in, and he's touching it, and he's licking it, and all that. That should be a serious warning bell to all of us, because that stuff causes cancer. That is known, a known carcinogen, uh, and, and unfortunately, it's a useless chemical that we're still using in all of our things that we surround ourselves with. It's omnipresent in our lives and we don't even realize it. It, it is. It is. And there are alternatives, but because it's so much easier or because we didn't know uh, and because it's easier to follow protocol as, a, as an industry uh, rather than finding alternatives, uh, it's, we're poisoning ourselves. And there's no excuse for that anymore. Um, you know, the, there, there's a, a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to have these challenges in a sense, because it, it breeds innovation. Innovation breeds new technology, and it brings uh, new ways to save money. Because by, by uh, innovation, by virtue of itself, is, uh, is a way of streamlining things and a way of finding alternatives uh, to, uh, to these challenges. So th there's a lot to think about, and whether we're a consumer, which is, has, that the consumer has the ultimate power, uh, especially in a capitalistic or even a socialistic society because they listen to the consumer, they, the industries do. Or if we're ahead of an industry uh, where we can make the decisions uh, or whether we're the head of government uh, where we are beholden to the people and we can change policy, we're all in the same boat and we all need to, see, to, to pull in the same direction and work together. Absolutely. Well, and, and on that note, I would like to mention, uh, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, Fabian, is for people to, you know, maybe and take the passion part and the activism part and get involved in the issues that are nearest and dearest to their heart. If you're, if you're a, a lover of whales or you love your beaches, you know, if, you know, if you get involved with the issue that you're sort of most interested in, it doesn't matter uh, where you go. If you uh, love whales, you can get involved in those issues. If you're, uh, you know, somebody who enjoys the coral reefs and is a, you know, a scuba diver or a snorkeler, 
tour. Um, if you're somebody who um, just you know enjoys your local beach and wants to get involved in beach cleanup, uh, there are so many places to go and to put positive uh, action uh, to turn in uh, results. And um, on that note, also I want to remind everybody of some of the resources that we've talked about on this broadcast today, which include uh, Fabian Cousteau's site, which is FabianCousteau.org, uh, the OceanFutures.org site, which is the home of Ocean Future Society, uh, that is also uh, the home of uh, his father, uh, which is Jean-Michel Cousteau. And uh, lastly, but not least, uh, the plantafish.com website, which is uh, Fabian's own initiative. And you can also follow Fabian on Twitter as Fabian Cousteau. And remember, Blue Living Ideas, we cover uh, the activities of the Cousteau family, including Fabian and his cousins and his father and his sister. And just, and I want to thank you, Fabian, for all the work you're doing and as well as your family uh, for being wards and guardians of the oceanographic environment that we have and uh, bringing awareness to these issues for people that, that uh, they don't have. So thank you so much for, for all the work you're doing. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun, and together we can all be better stewards of this planet and have a great time doing it. Uh, who doesn't like breathing fresh air and diving into beautiful seas? Yeah, absolutely. And we would love to have you back. There are so many issues to talk about. And we, I, I let this uh, interview purposely go along today because you're, you're really just a treasure trove of information. And, uh, but I th- we haven't really even scratched the surface. So, uh, we would love if you'd, uh, be so kind as to come back again in the future and we can uh, discuss maybe some of the, uh, the new projects that you're uh, involved with at that time and uh, maybe do a follow up on some of the issues that we discussed today. I would, I would love that anytime you want. And thanks to all of you out there, as always, for listening in on Green Talk Radio. We encourage you to follow up on these and other issues on the greenlivingideas.com and bluelivingideas.com website, the Blue Living Ideas site being focused on water, ocean, and other issues. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks, as always, to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.